Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, you might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. You are joined here by myself, Dean and Liz. You were looking at me like, you're introing this. Why did you pause? I was pausing because we were waiting for the smiles to align. Okay. We're both smiling. <laughs> No, the reason that I was looking at you funny also is because I really needed to sneeze, so I was trying to hold it in, as well as thinking, when is this motherfucker going to start talking? It's true. <laughs> you hit your smile earlier than me, and there wasn't quiet on my squeaky chair, so. Okay. I'm yeah. so sorry. Welcome back, everybody who's just listening. Welcome back to those who are watching. It's the Flex Success Podcast, and today we're going to talk about... How to be less shit, as always. Yeah. But how to be less shit... Uh, wrapped up in a minimalism bow today. We're going to talk about minimalism and how that can apply to training and nutrition, even recovery as well. Mm, yes, recovery. Ha, so many people mess that up. So many people what? Mess that up. <laughs> they, they certainly do. Mm-hmm. But let's start with the definition of minimalism. Um, do you... Are we going to do keeping up to date with us first? Oh, okay. But what are we doing? What have we been doing? What's news? Uh, news with me is, what's today? Wednesday. On the, on the day of recording this, yes, but... Yeah, we won't go there. Well, <laughs> firstly, Australia Day is contentious, but also we're not going to release this on Australia Day. No, we're going to release it like no. three weeks later. Know. That's why we haven't told you what podcast number it is either, because we have no idea. <laughs> it just gets released when it gets released. <laughs> uh, no, it is a Wednesday today and Monday... It's Tuesday. Oh, fuck, it is true. <laughs> then... Eight days ago, not yesterday, Monday, but the week before that, I got my lipstick tattooed on. Uh, for those on watch- Sunday. No, on a Monday. <laughs> for those watching on YouTube, you can see the colour. Um, and I got it done, what, eight years ago? I don't know. You weren't with me, so at least greater than well, seven. Well, we've been together seven years, so probably like nine years ago then I got it done. Seven's my favourite number. Is this it for us? This is it. <laughs> we've got to break up the day for our eighth year anniversary. <laughs> Um, they were, they were puffy for maybe like, I'm going to say the better part of a week. They blew fuck up. My lips were huge. Um, so I wasn't really looking forward to that this time around, but I thought, you know what? It's only a few days of puff for a lifetime of, well, seven years of wins. (laughs) Yeah. Seven years of wins. Yeah. Not a lifetime. A dog's lifetime. But um, I think the lady that did it the first time was just extra brutal and just absolutely annihilated my face. Uh, this time around, I woke up the following morning of the tattoo and my lips were back to normal. Yeah. Uh, they only peeled once as opposed to about two weeks of peeling last time. And they were only moderately Gold Coastian oh, for the day of. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there's, there's a fad on the Gold Coast for those that don't live here where uh, lips get overplumped to the point that they look like they're going to explode. And the side profile of a lot of the girls is like a duck beak. So I yeah, very much fit in on the Gold Coast for the day of the tattoo. You lost a lot of personality that afternoon, not only because your lips couldn't move when you smiled, mm-hmm. so you looked like you'd lost personality, but I could also tell that you were like, I can't believe my lips look like this. So you were trying not to laugh <laughs> because you looked at, you knew how ridiculous they were. No, I also wasn't, I'm not supposed to stretch my lips out while they were healing. I understand. Too. Uh, or maybe you're just it not very like, funny. It was like shame, you know, you like, you felt shame. <laughs> I did feel shame. Like, People think that I've gone and just filled these up <laughs> and you didn't want anyone to think Yeah, I'm, I'm not into that look. I'm not going to be jumping on board with that. I thought it was Botox. Turns out it's not. Yeah, I thought it was Botox too because I made a joke about it to the tattoo chick. She was like, nah, it's just filler, babe. It's filler, which is 
hyaluronic acid, hmm. which is what dudes put inside their muscles now. I have had Botox before um, on my armpits. On them or in them? Well, in them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't just wipe it onto my armpit. Yeah. yeah. Poor choice of words. Stop sweating. Because you're a sweaty mess. No, I'm not a sweaty mess. <laughs> That's the thing, you're not even sweaty. I'm, I'm an average sweater. No, I used to get it when I was teaching group fitness classes and doing a lot of personal training. And I would jump from teaching a cycle class straight into four hours of PT. And I just felt bad being sweaty for the four clients that were paying me a good amount of money. Um, so I just wanted to remain fresh smelling. That you is know? one thing that you'd be happy about being average at. What, being an average sweater? I'm an average sweater. I'm average at a lot of things, Dean. Yeah, but being an average sweat is a good thing. Yeah, it is. You know, being being <laughs> average at baking goods. Yeah. I'm a pretty average baker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I need Chelsea to help me. Flex yeah, coach Chelsea. She does some serious baking. She does. Anyway, minimalism, Liz, what is it? Well, I mean, I guess different people would have different ideas of what minimalism is. But to me, it's the act of simplifying and it's not necessarily tangible items or physical things like your wardrobe, for example, it could be, but it's just reducing maybe mental clutter, friendship circles. We're going to talk about training and nutrition in a sec. Um, just boiling it down to the things that really add value to your life and removing the things that just add clutter or get in the way. Um, if we talk about minimalism in terms of accepting people or emotions or habits into your life. It's about, for me, minimalism is about being intentional or deliberate about the things that you let in instead of always jumping to yes. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you say yes to an activity or a person or a thought, you say no to other things. I'll say yes to the cake, no to my weightless goals, for example. Um, and I think that boiling things down just to the bare bones, the things that only have give you value and removes the clutter, uh, gives you kind of a sense of appreciation and gratitude for the things that you do have. And if there's a little bit of bonus chocolate cake or, you know, an extra skirt or, or something that you buy over and above uh, the, the basics, you can really appreciate that bonus as being a bonus instead of always having this clutter and, and not really appreciating the extras. Well, yeah, it's almost like um, giving yourself the right to having some mental freedom. Mm -hmm. Because the more things that you focus on, the harder it is to feel like you have a choice, I think sometimes too. Yeah. So like there's all these things coming in, whether it be nutrition or training, like what do I do about this? Like I've got to train this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. What do and, I eat? There's all these things. And then you actually train, you don't even enjoy it because you're not sure if you got it right. And all these recovery things. Yeah. And then yeah. it's the same in the household, you know, like I've got all of these clothes. And, and nothing to wear. <laughs> nothing to wear. Like I hate walking into women's clothing stores for that very reason because women's clothing stores are set up most of the time so that the clothes are facing like front to back of each other. Mm -hmm. And then there's hundreds of them side by side. And I just look at it and go, there's too many. You feel overwhelmed. Um, and I, I can't make a decision or I don't even look at them. You are slightly autistic though. So. Yeah, no, but like, or as you walk in and do it's like front facing shirt. Like yeah. that looks all right. Yeah, you can see you exactly know? what it looks like. But like a man's store gives me way more mental freedom about my ability to choose and what I like mm. and dislike. It um, also helps that you don't fit normal clothes as a walnut human. <laughs> um, I mean, it even is the same with a messy desk. If my desk is totally cluttered, it's kind of representing what's going on in my head. And if I take a lunch break or, you know, finish work for the day, come back the next day and I want to have a fresh start, I need to clean my desk before I start. Mm, kitchen sink in the morning versus before going to bed. Yeah. 
it's a big difference. Like it is, you mm-hmm. wake up in the morning into a fresh kitchen and it's like, ah, day starts. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, now I've got to do tasks. That's why I make the bed every morning because I just feel like we're good to go. The bed's made. Everything's tidy. Mm-hmm. We can start the day. Um, so I suppose then the question is, is how does this relate to nutrition, training, and anything else fitness related? Well, you, you want to start with training or I'll start with nutrition? Or we'll start with nutrition. I thought it would be probably easiest if we just give people some examples of how you can be minimalistic in your mindset around nutrition. So like one thing that I'm currently going through is the, uh, I have an abundance of calories to choose from. You do, you like right? a bastard. Um, and a lot of people that have an abundance of calories often get stuck not knowing what they want to eat because they have every opportunity to eat everything they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a person who's championed the concept of flexible dieting, for years, I'm probably the most inflexible I've ever been with my food choices. My diet is still flexible. There's lots of variety in my diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm eating the same thing every day. Not because you have to. No. You're choosing But to. out of 35 meals of the week, 33 of them are essentially the same. 35 meals? How many meals are you eating? Five. Five. Yeah. Right. Five meals a day, seven days of the week, I think. Seven by 35. Well, I know I eat 28 meals a week because I have four meals a day. So yeah, Yeah. 35 meals. So it's 35 meals and I I give up a meal on a Tuesday night for tacos, but even then that's the same. So really, and I get the same taco every week. Mm -hmm. Um, The point being, before I ramble for too much longer, is that by having the same diet each day, I'm actually taking a lot of mental stress off myself because I just go to the kitchen, I get my food, I eat my food, I go back to work. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past when I've had an abundance of choice, I either choose the simplest thing that I can eat, not necessarily the most nutritionally advantageous for my goals, uh, or I sit there with like, yeah, um, like a block as to like what to choose. Mm-hmm. There's too many options and it just becomes stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my idea of the minimalistic approach to food is to actually set up a diet, whether this be fat loss or even muscle gain, um, whereby your food is essentially the same nine times out of 10, mm. but it gives you the opportunity then to really enjoy the meal. that's different, mm-hmm. which for me is the Tuesday night and the Saturday night. Yeah. Because um, we shoot tacos every Tuesday and Saturday night. We just choose something different every week. Yeah. We go have a restaurant experience Yeah, and, and stripping back my diet to something as simple as that has made me really enjoy our Saturday night meals. Yeah. Whereas in the past, our Saturday, Saturday night meals were just another meal. Yeah. <laughs> because we probably had Saturday night, Thursday night, Wednesday night. It wasn't much of a treat because we did it so often. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one way you can be minimalistic in your diet. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I found um, that doing a plant and protein only day really helps for me. If Dean did it, he'd probably lose 10 kilos in a day <laughs> because the calories are far too low. But for me, it's probably only a 30% deficit, which is significant, but you know, it's not a 70% deficit like it would be for Dean. Um, cause I get really snacky. I have a lot of snacksidents and the, they end up, the calories end up really creeping up on me. Um, and so one way for me to check myself before I wreck myself is to occasionally do a plant and protein only day. Um, and that doesn't mean, what are some things that are really high calories that grow on plants? I guess like oats and almonds. <laughs> yeah. I, I just mean non-starchy vegetables and lean proteins. And I wouldn't be adding sauces i wouldn't be having um rice or dessert or anything like that so just for that single day sometimes a double day i'll just strip it right back to plant and protein and that means the following day when i do add a little bit of sauce or salad dressing or rice with my meals or something because i generally have a carb with every meal i really appreciate those things as being extras Mm. as opposed to 
bloody hell, I wish I could have more rice. I wish I could have more QP mm. and always wanting more and more and more. Yeah, you can kind of like, liken this to that hedonic staircase that Renaissance periodization and Mike is retailer champions mm. in that if you can decrease the palatability of your food, especially in a deficit, you'll want for highly palatable food will tend to go down over time. Yeah. But then when you do have it, it's so much more delicious mm. as those, opposed to having it every day. Do you want to explain what highly palatable means? Uh, typically things that are salty, carby and fatty. And essentially they're just going to tick the boxes for your brain to be lit up with excitement and enjoyment. So they're, they're really tasty, delicious food. Yeah. So studies have shown that people not only find it really difficult to stop eating uh, when they eat foods that they find very delicious, like Dean said, salty, mm. carby and fatty. So give me like what examples? Potato chips, the best one. Yeah, pizza, burgers. Yeah. Ice cream. I can eat pizza salty. until pizza eats me. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Death by pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I want to die. Mm. Um, yeah, so not only do people find it difficult to stop eating these things, they also crave them more frequently when they eat them and get hungrier sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I did a post about it on my personal wall recently. Which is a difficult thing because obviously if you have these things, it can make you want them more. But the point we're getting here with the minimalistic approach is that if you can be a minimalist in your food choice, it at least gives you the opportunity to, to appreciate the things that are slightly better. Yeah. As opposed to if you have something that's like really good all the time, but you're still restricted, you may not really appreciate the things that you have. Like one you of the just things, want more. Yeah. One of yeah. the things that people don't realize is like, it's an absolute privilege for us to have the opportunity to decide to eat less. Yes. Oh my gosh. I um, mean, I think even having the minimalist approach from a mindset perspective to say, Hey, like this is my choice. That's pretty fucking lucky that I get that choice. Yeah. Um, even a plain potato will taste pretty good when you realize that you have the choice to eat the potato versus to eat nothing. Yeah. Or even realizing what the potato does for you in terms of nutrition or maintaining a body weight that you feel good at mm. as opposed to the pizza. Cause you're saying no to the pizza, but yes to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Any other examples? Well, no, let's move on to training. Cool. Um, I have a mantra with training that I've sort of, uh, pushed of late. And it's the opposite of the grind mentality, okay. which is a mentality that I fucking hate, but that's for another podcast. Oh, is it like Luke Lehman's um, least mode? Uh, he is. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe not a similar parallel. It's like the whole like Gary V, you know, I work while you sleep bullshit. You know, like the, the, the concept of that, if you're not grinding, you're not working hard enough and that some will outwork you, therefore your value is lower, blah, 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 blah. Shame on you for not sleeping. Um, and that is that, sleeping. is that yes mm -hmm. my bad that you should be actually when it comes to training you should be trying to get the maximum out of the minimum so instead of trying to do more get the most out be, of the least yeah we should be trying to do as little as possible for the best possible result mm -hmm. and the reason why we want to do that is because it gives us the opportunity to add more when necessary as opposed to just doing more because we think we should this kind of stems from like old school bodybuilding magazines, I think, where you have a bunch of guys in the gym that are reading the old school flex magazines or now reading forums online and they see the pros do 20 and 30 sets per workouts, per workout. And obviously enhanced with drugs and much larger and much more advanced, we have these poor young dudes doing a shit ton of work with no consideration as to whether or not it's actually necessary. Hmm. Above yeah. their maximum recoverable volume. Yeah, absolutely. You know, another, another um, term coined by the crew at RP. So yeah, that's, that's my main thing of the minimalistic approach to training is to focus on getting the most out of the least. Hmm. And what would be 
the least? Like what are the most basic things that you would need to do in training? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I mean, Pete, you wouldn't want to go in there and just like start with burnout sets and do a whole bunch of fucking like booty band stuff and be like, phew, that was hard work. And then leave the gym. Yeah. If we're talking about hypertrophy for, mm-hmm. for building muscle, what would be the things that people would want to focus on? Okay. So we can think of muscle growing in a couple of ways. We've got what ways do actual muscles grow? One of those is typically uh, mechanical load and the progression of that mechanical load. So getting stronger. One would be metabolic. So like doing a bunch of work that essentially causes a certain amount of pain. They're the two main muscle drivers. Uh, people will also talk about frequency of stimulation. So how frequently do you train that muscle per week? Um, but all three of them kind of intertwine with each other. So we could say that the minimalistic approach to training is so long as you have at least a exercise for a muscle group that's focusing on load progression. A push, a pull, a press. Tick. Yeah. yeah. If you're then also then coupling that up either on the same workout or somewhere out throughout the week with something that's metabolic, 15 plus 25 reps, maybe shorter rest periods, the typical burn stuff, then you tick in that box. And then from a frequency perspective, like really so long as you're doing once to twice a week, you'll be fine. Or once, yeah. to, once or twice over a sort of seven to ten minutes. Yeah, like let's say you want to do 15 sets for a particular muscle group or something mm. over the week. Doing 15 sets in one workout probably isn't going to work out too well for you. Yeah. So you want to split that up. Whereas if you're only, like for me, I only do like what, four sets of chest press a week because mm-hmm. that's all I need to maintain my pecs. I don't need to split that up into two workouts. I can do four really good quality sets in one go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we think we've got those, those three factors as to what or vectors we should call them as to what potentially produced muscle growth. And then the other thing is the volume uh, question whereby there's a certain amount of sets that we see have an effective uh, impact on muscle growth. And it could be as low as four sets per week per muscle group and as high as say 12 to 20. Like it really depends. So you should be, so long as you're somewhere in that range, you'll be fine. Um, so you can just start at the minimum effective one that you talked about before. So we might say, four to six sets per muscle group, hmm. twice per week, one load, one metabolic, tick, tick, tick. Yeah. I would you point know. people to the um, volume training landmarks mm-hmm. blog or article from RP yeah. to figure out what the minimum amount of sets you need to do. Obviously, we need to talk about intensity or proximity to failure as well. Yeah. Or the muscle but, and strength pyramid from uh, Eric Holmes is also great. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are this, this contentious debate as to whether or not load is more important, proximity to failure is more important, uh, whether or not, say, did I say volume first? Uh, and then whether or not volume is important too, right? Um, the well, one you can thing do all the volume in the world if your intensity is low. It's not going to do jack shit. Yeah. The one thing that is super important is that all results are predicated on effort. As far as I'm concerned, from what I can see, both in my clients, myself, and also what we read in the research. Um, so you have to learn in the early phases what your limitation is to, well, not your limitation, but what your capacity is to train hard mm-hmm. and how close you can get to failure. Mm. And the one thing that we do know is this, is that the closer you get to failure, the more frequently you do that, typically the less volume you can handle. Mm-hmm. So that's why I also like the minimalistic approach to programming, whereby you try and do the least amount of sets per week per muscle group. That you need to do. That you need to do for as long as you possibly can, so long as you're progressing that, that mechanical load we talked about. And then once you struggle to, to progress that load further, then you can add more volume. Mm-hmm. But most people are doing workouts that are essentially probably 60 to 70% of their true effort mm. because volume is creating more fatigue mm. than necessary. And they're just doing a bunch of work for no additional benefit. So you're talking about the fatigue stimulus. 
you know, the simulation fatigue ratio, which is another one that Mike has coined. He's the king of coining terms, I mean. Yes, he is. Um, so yeah, it'd be somewhere in that range. And um, I, I would say like, if you're a beginner, like you could start with something like, you know, like a, an upper lower split four days a week, even three days a week, mm. learn exercise proficiency and how to move, mm. do as little sets as possible, like two to three. You don't need to get fancy either. We see a lot of people going into the gym doing all these like strange variations of rows. And if you have an injury or I don't know, you're doing it for a very particular reason, prehab or something, then go for gold. But there's nothing wrong with dumbbell row, a lat pull down, a chest mm -hmm. press, a leg press, a lunge, like all these basics you can build a professional body bodybuilder's physique on the basics. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we, so this is one of the other points that I had with um, a minimalistic approach to training is that most people think about setting up their program on how many sets and also how many exercises they want to do. Mm. But the ex exercise quantity should be determined by the muscle group that you're training. And then what does that muscle group actually do? Mm, you mean like for back, you want to do like a vertical and a horizontal? Yeah. So like if you look at the bicep, like its primary function is elbow flexion. To bend the elbow. You know, mm -hmm. and you could argue that, yes, there's some variation whether or not the arm is out to the side or out in front or side to side. But really the bicep is mainly just doing elbow flexion. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're doing a elbow flexion exercise for bicep, that's the minimum. Same with tricep, elbow extension, straightens yep. the elbow. Pecs, horizontal flexion a little bit of shoulder um, flexion as well. So like, there's two exercises for pecs. So you've got to fly and a press. Back's a little bit more complicated because you've got lats and you've got rhomboids and whatnot. But you could probably get away with three exercises, like you said. But even if you're pull. doing like deadlifts and you're doing it for a particular muscle group, it's going to get your erectors and it's yeah, going to get your lats. And it's yeah. going to like, you, so you're going to hit them in other exercises as well. Mm -hmm. And then legs, like you've got a couple. But like if you actually said like, all right, what does the muscle do? E.g. the quads. You know, they, they primarily flex the knee. They or straight, extend the knee, I should say. Sorry. Straighten the knee here. Yeah. Um, like you do that in a squat pattern. Uh-huh. You know, pretty straightforward. The, the hamstrings, they flex the knee, and then they also give you some hip extension. Mm -hmm. So there's two movements for the hamstring. By the time you get through all of the muscle groups, like you're really doing one to two exercises or movement patterns. And then if you break that down and just add a couple of sets to each one, you'll probably end up only doing 60 sets a week, which is quite a few amount of sets compared to what most people are doing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, and if you've got 60 effective sets, that's likely enough for most people, obviously like asterisks depending on training age and goals and whatnot. Mm. But if somebody's doing 150 sets a week, man, that's a lot of effort. That's a lot of time spent. That's a lot of energy. And if you're not doing that with any sort of intensity or proximity to failure uh, is, is too large. And that means for those that are like proximity to failure, if you st finish the set and you can still do another six or seven repetitions, you are six or seven repetitions off from failing your next repetition attempt. You want to be anywhere between what zero and three or four, depending on where you are in, yeah. in your mesocycle. But the problem is, is that most people don't know what a zero is. A one is a two is a three is or a four is. Yeah. They stop so, when it hurts. Yeah. And mm. sometimes people are way off. And the further you are away from that RIR of zero to four, the more volume theoretically you need to do to achieve the same hypertrophic stimulus. Mm. So the issue here is, again, is that people don't learn how to train hard yeah. first. Instead, they just train long. Yeah. Which is definitely not a minimalistic approach. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. And it's, it needs it's to doing more for less. Mm. Well, it's definitely doing more for less. Um, so like anyone that's currently doing whatever program it is you're doing, I 
encourage you and challenge you to basically pull 30 or 40% of the sets out and just jack up your efforts. Um, like for the last 23 weeks, I've done five sets of squats per week for quads. That's it. And they've grown. They've grown because I tell you what, when I only have five sets to do it for the week, I'm going fucking hard. So I noticed that um, <laughs> in our bedroom, there's a pile of clothes on the yep. bed. Are these things that don't fit you anymore? Correct. Okay. And I noticed there's a few pairs of pants in there. Yeah. <laughs> so they, five sets a week have made you outgrow your pants. They, they're going to the dogs. <laughs> yeah. But like mm. the diff the thing is that even someone like myself who has been training for X amount of years is probably classified as somewhat advanced in their training age. Mm. I've gotten growth out of the minimum amount of sets possible, which is five. Oh, if I do six sets of chest, my chest grows. Yeah. Because I make sure that, because I'm only doing four sets a week, mm -hmm. that those four sets count. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is the beauty of it. Once Liz has maxed out the four sets, should you want to grow greater pecs? I need to do two more sets. You just add another set. But you only add the set when it's necessary. And again, that's another minimalistic approach is that can I get the maximum mm -hmm. out of the minimum? And then when the minimum no longer provides me what I need, add a little bit more. But add the minimum amount. Don't yeah. add 10 more sets. I'm just being add intentional. One. I'm being yeah. deliberate with the things that I bring into my training. Yeah. Or my thoughts, or my nutrition. Now we can we can liken this to even um, like uh, Panadol. We can mm -hmm. liken it to even pharmacology in the sports performance drug taking steroid world too. And that you shouldn't probably start off on the maximum. You can probably get away with the minimum. Although people want the maximum, the minimum is effective. I just know so many people that start on gear and they start oh. on like the maximum dose they yeah. could possibly. Again, they, they read the same magazines they did for training. Yeah. Um, but it's the same, you know, like if you've got a headache, just because the packet of Panadol says take four as an adult, doesn't mean you need four. Mm -mm. You, yeah. I mean, Liz over here had pain relief from a kidney infection on, on four, which is hilarious. Dean's being very polite. I, it burnt when I peed. Mm. And uh, turns out, <laughs> turns out I had a what was it a urinary U tract infection? Yeah, UTI. Yeah. Not to be confused for STD. No, they call, they call them something else now. No, I definitely didn't have an STD. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They, it, it's an infection, not disease. Yeah. 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 Anyways, so that when I peed and I was like, I'm fine. Whatever is going on down there will sort itself out. My, My body, body is a, a temple. temple. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I nailed it. And, <laughs> and Dean's like, pretty sure you have a UTI. I'm like, pretty sure you should shut up. <laughs> and so I let it go so far uh, to the point that, yeah, I ended up with a severe kidney infection and I couldn't even walk straight. I hobbled into the emergency room, um, like totally bent over in so much pain. And I, I'm not against pain relief, but I just, um, I just don't use pain relief where I can avoid it. Because I think if I use something to mask my pain, then I'm more likely to be active and ignore it and, yeah. and not rest like I should be resting. Um, and ignore warning signs if there are any. So I just like to actually feel the pain and listen to my body and rest when I need to. Um, or, or drink water or go for a walk or de-stress instead of just taking a Panadol and continuing. Yeah. And so I got to hospital and they were like, miss, the doctor's going to be a while. I think like seven hours later or whatever it was. She tried um, to leave. It's hilarious. Yeah, well, anyway, so the doctor kind of, or the nurse forced me into taking a Panadol pretty much. She was like, you have to take it. I was like, I don't want to. Like, and she's like, you have to. And anyways, I ended up taking it. And from one Panadol, I was like, Dean, we should go home. Mm. I'm totally fine because my tolerance was so, so low because I never take it. Mm. And the doctor didn't thought, yeah, you're fine. You can go home. But then he checked the, the panels and realized that you had a uh, kidney infection. Hilarious. Severe kidney infection. But anyway, yes. Like the goal here is that she didn't need to have four. She got away with having one. Yeah. 
Um, I always take half of whatever pain relief says I should take. It's actually quite enlightening the more you have a minimalistic approach to a lot of things because you start to appreciate, like you said before, um, what you do have because then when you can add more, you appreciate that you can add more too. Like, mm. I'd be real mad if I needed to take 10 Panadol every time. But if I, if I only have to take one, like that's kind of a good thing. Oggy. And the same, yeah, the same even with the pharmacology. Like I'd be mad if I had to take all of the drugs to mm. grow. But if I can take the least amount of drugs and grow exceptionally well, and then just add a sprinkle more pixie dust mm. and get a little bit more growth, and then a little bit more pixie dust, and then a little bit more growth. Talking to the, the Natty team over here, it could be the same for um, just supplementation. If you're taking all the supplements under the sun, where are you going to go from there? You know, and if five grams of creatine gets you some gains, 20 grams must get you at least four times. The gains. And people tend to go. So if we're thinking about the pyramid of importance, hashtag Eric Helms, the things that are most important, calorie intake, adequate protein, then we go to macronutrients and we go to micronutrients, food timing, people end up going, you know what? Let's nail the supplements first. Cause that's really easy to do. I'm just going to take all the supplements and like, we're going to look at nutrition later that's not looking at the most important things. That's not bringing things into your life that add the most value because supplements add no value. Really, Well, it depends on the supplements, oh, but there's very be. few supplements that add a lot of value to people's lives. Mm. Very, very few. Um, and people tend to ignore the things that add a lot of value, like a calorie control diet, adequate protein. Well, this is a nice little segue into the recovery concept. Okay. Because it is one of the ones that I think people really need to take a step back and realize what the fuck they're doing. So everybody wants to go do Normatech. That's the name. Everyone wants to do the Normatech boots to make their legs recover. The wavy boots. Yeah, the wavy boots. Everyone wants to, you know, go get in cold and hot fucking baths. And everyone wants to do cryo and all float sorts tanks. of float tanks and whatever else they want to do. Right? Sometimes people just go to float tanks because they want peace and quiet. Shut guys. up, Dean. Um, Me and Dean have been over this debate so many times. It's just that I wanted peace and quiet, you know? Home's a noisy place. It's not really. Good. Um, <laughs> no, but the point being is that everyone wants to do the fancy shit, and they're the supplements of the recovery world. Mm -hmm. Yet they can't even fucking eat the same diet or the same macros stop for seven days in a row. Yeah. Yeah, or they can't take a rest day. Yeah. Like, they, want it, they just want the pixie dust to do the work for them. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. so the things that are going to add the most value to someone's recovery is adequate calories and adequate protein, mm -hmm. enough sleep, stress reduction. Like you can't just go into a float tank and like you're done in 20 minutes. It's sort of like a lifestyle shift or yeah, that's consistent why now, habits. It fixes an entire week's worth yeah, of okay. Problems. So this float, no, Dean, <laughs> this float tank <laughs> debacle that Dean and I have been through a million times is Dean, he's so much better with his sleep now, but he used to sleep. What? Six hours, six five or six oh, no, hours. No, 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 no. I'd go to bed at twelve. I'd get up at seven. Like okay, six hours inadequate. Seven, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, anyways, he didn't used to sleep <laughs> enough. <laughs> Whatever, the, however much he slept, it wasn't enough. And obviously, anyone that's trying to sell anything will talk up the benefits and like, oh, a float tank reduces blood pressure and decreases resting heart rate. I was like, so does a nap. So does like getting out of a busy city and going into the countryside. Yeah, but that takes way fucking long. So, well, whatever. Point being, <laughs> just sleep more, mate. Like, you, you went to float tanks twice? You bought it for me. Yeah, because you really wanted it. And I bought it for you because you wanted it. You're, so you're an enabler to my drug addiction is what you're trying to say. No, I support you no, even my, when my, I don't agree my, with you is the point. My float addiction. 
of two times. <laughs> so it turns out I don't like floats because I can't sleep on my back and you can't float in any other position. So that's yeah, you can float <laughs> face down. Fuck yeah. You should try it. Um, oh, it'd be so bad. There's so many like magnesium salts in there. It tastes terrible. Don't drink it. Um, but yeah, anyway, float tank, I think actually from a piece of Don't do a float tank unless you're doing the other things. Yeah. And let's just make a quick note here before we move on. Is that I didn't just listen to people. I went down the PubMed rabbit hole on float tanks. And I found my own stuff. I'm not saying that float tanks don't reduce blood pressure or reduce resting heart rate. I'm just saying so does a nap. Yeah. And that's free. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just not the same nap though. What do you mean? You couldn't even sleep. I couldn't. But people that can do it on their back and can relax. Hey, look, if Joe Rogan loves it, it must be true. Okay. He's also done the carnivore diet. Fucking idiot. I, I rest my case. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Really disappoints me when people that I like do shit. Oh, speaking of which, um, I'm uh, talking about the minimalism. I'm a big fan of The Minimalists. Totally check out their documentaries and podcasts. Everyone. Yeah. They have the dumbest nutrition advice. Holy shit, stay in your lane, minimalists. Yeah, they really do mess that up. Stay in your fucking lane. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so what's our wrap-up for um, a minimalistic approach to... Well, let's wrap it up with be less shit tips. Okay. You've already given your be less shit tips which was to have a, a protein plant day. It's actually a really good be less shit tip because it is honestly probably the least disruptive nutrition approach to getting into a calorie deficit without having to change your life too much. Okay. My be less shit tip is the protein and plant day every now and again. Um, but I'll add this then choose a day where you don't have heaps of social events on or heaps of temptations to add an ice cream or add sauce or whatever. Maybe choose a day where you're busy at work and there's no social events on and busyness usually distracts people from hunger. So that's usually quite helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're a bigger guy like Dean or even a bigger girl who requires more calories, your nutrition minimalist day could just be the carb, the plant food and the protein without sauce or without the bonuses, you know. Yep. So just keep it, keep it simple, whatever that means to you. Mm -hmm. Mine would be on the training front and it would be to write yourself a program, sleep on it, then come back the next day and try and remove anything that you don't Wouldn't the paper be crumpled if you sleep on it? <laughs> Fuck. I've got dad jokes, but that's right up there with the grandma jokes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's so bad. Um, yeah, and then try and remove so you want to try and do the least amount possible. You should be able to get a workout done in four exercises. No problems. Even if you're doing push ball. Mm -hmm. Two for chest, two for back. Yep. Bob's your uncle. Yep. That's my be less shit tip is that try and get a workout done in four exercises and just see how you go. You know, don't overcomplicate it. Hmm. Chances like it. are you'll do better. Yeah. And by doing you, less. You've earned, yeah. And if you've only got a few things to focus on, whether it's in the gym or in the kitchen or your wardrobe or whatever, mm -hmm. you are more likely to put more effort into those few things because your effort is condensed. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. Can I give another? Oh, no, I'll give us something worth sharing. Go for it. Okay. I'm going to do that too. Okay. No, okay. You can share something too. Yeah. Just on the topic of minimalism and something worth sharing, the Minimalists podcast have this like, what is it? Like 30 day challenge. So on day one, you get rid of one thing on day two, two things, day three, three things, 
so on and so forth. Shall I continue till day 30? Yeah. Just, <laughs> just in case I don't get it. <laughs> and I'm sure we've all got hundreds of things laying around the house that don't add value. They just add clutter and dust. Um, but I put my own spin on that and I have a one in two out rule. My wardrobe is massive and I feel quite overwhelmed when I look in my wardrobe. I don't really even know what I have. Um, and instead of continuing to add to that, if I brought one thing into my wardrobe, I get rid of two things. So if I buy a skirt, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to get rid of two skirts. It could be a pair of shorts on the top or whatever. And I find that I'm far more deliberate with my purchasing now because I have to think, do I want this item more than I want to get rid of two others? Like what two things do I want to get rid of? Oh, I love all the stuff I have right now. I'm not going to buy it. Mm. And it can't just be shoelaces. No, it can't be shoelaces. <laughs> but asterisk to that, I don't do it. Like if I need new undies or new socks or something, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do it there. If it's a practical purchase, you don't have to. It's only if it's a purchase for yeah. shoe fun. But I think I probably still, even with my uh, one and two out rule, had like 30 or 40 skirts. Mm which was redonkulous. Um, and so the other day I went, that's it. I'm just going to choose my favorite 10 and the rest are being donated. Yeah. I mean, how many pairs of your clothes do you truly wear? I don't, I don't wear more than a few of my skirts. I just like them. I just don't wear them. Again, I think this is a sort of the thing that people want more things because they fear not having the opportunity to like choose. But the reality is, is you don't choose them anyway. So yeah. just remove them and you'll probably be quite free because you know what happens when you go to your wardrobe? You go, cool, man. I'm just wearing that shirt. But that's what I do when I go there. I'm like, cool, I've got four shirts that I like. Well, I can see what I have now. Mm, I appreciate yeah. the 10 skirts It's not that like I have. a women's store. No. Uh, my something worth sharing this week is to, if it's financially viable, to buy a sous vide uh, circulator. And that's S-O-U-S, new word, V-I-D-E. I'm kind of getting uh, deja vu here. Did I, did I already recommend this? I don't this? know. I may have, but if I didn't, or if I did, it doesn't matter. I'm recommending it again. It's, it's especially uh, relevant to this podcast, though, because if you are taking a minimalist approach to your food and you're just not going for, like, hyper-playable meals, what? How do you spell CV? I'm trying to write this down. I just spelled it for everyone. S-O-U-S. New word, V-I-D-E. Um, man, does it make chicken taste good? It's so much softer, so much more moist, and... Um, yeah, okay. I highly recommend it. You can get Aldi do one for like a hundred bucks. Um, I've got an Nova; it's two hundred bucks, and it's fantastic. Highly recommended. Hmm. Okay, hmm. cool. Would you rather? You have three possible choices. Okay, Dean. And I'll let you choose. I would like. Or should we rapid fire all three? All right, go. Rapid fire all three. Hmm. Get a paper cut between your fingers every time you touch paper, oh, or cool. bite your tongue every time you eat something. Paper cut. Oh, really? Yeah. Jesus. I eat a lot. <laughs> um, pee yourself in public once a week or shit yourself in private daily? Ooh. Shit myself. Daily? Yeah. That's so much clean up though. But no one knows. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, I would just wear like disposable undies or something. You'd be stanky. you get used to it. All right, here we go. The final one. Have your taste buds on your butthole <laughs> or poop through your mouth. Ugh. Oh. Does that mean you have to wipe the cake on your ass to then eat it? You don't eat through your mouth. It's just that the taste buds are there. But if I shit through my mouth, would I have to taste the poop? No, yeah, I guess. No, yeah, I guess you would. Ah, oh, that's pretty terrible. Imagine having to touch everything to your butt in order to taste it first. <laughs> like people do weird things, you know, like touch the top lip to the glass before they drink, mm. touch their tongue. 
and then there's you touching your carrot to a butthole. I just wouldn't do it. Obviously, I'm not going to like... Actually, it would be good for dieting because you'd taste nothing unless you really wanted to. Yeah, but maintaining my body weight is pretty easy, so I don't really care. Uh, but I also don't want to shit through my mouth because I don't have to taste shit. Uh, I know this is supposed to be rapid fire. I'm going with death. <laughs> I don't want to do either of them. Sounds like you're getting your taste buds on your butthole. <laughs> okay, which one are you choosing? I would do that one because then I get to choose when I want to taste something. Taste buds and butthole, okay. Yeah. So, right. so long as they're on the outside of the butthole, though. Good choice, good choice. Not willing if they're internal. Love it. Um, well, guys, hopefully you've liked our butthole talk. Uh, Standard. <laughs> if, if you enjoy the podcast, of course, please share it with your friends. Yes. Subscribe like, on. Subscribe on, on that business. Yeah. We don't do this stuff, hey. We should probably. No, we said the other day, we should say this stuff at the end of the podcast, yeah. and I'm like just feeling awkward about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're listening to this on a podcast, you've already likely subscribed. Probably. Uh, but at least, please, the best thing would be if, if you do like our stuff and our content is just to take a screenshot of the um, the episode, post it on Instagram, and tag in Flex Success. Please do. That it would be much, be much appreciated. appreciated. And maybe you can also, along with this, we'll ask you guys, you can give your answer to, would you rather pee yourself in public once a week, A, or B, shit yourself in private daily? Yeah. Add that to your... Um, to your tag. To your screenshot. Yeah, to your screenshot. Hashtag butthole. Hashtag pee yourself or hashtag pee yourself. Yeah. Fun times. Fun times. All right, everyone. Much love. See ya.